Packing for crazy town. Packing for crazy town. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Thanks for asking. It's actually been 857 days since the last Packing for Crazy Town podcast. Why am I doing this? Well, one, it's the natural extension of my part-time job known as being obsessed with Andrew Yang and his ideas and the opportunity to go behind the scenes, get the skinny on the campaign, the last days, what's next, with his director of spiritual and cultural outreach, Reverend Wendy Hamilton. At Rev Wendy 3, education professional, ordained minister, Twitter goddess, mother, and speaker of deep, deep truth. We recorded this conversation mere minutes before the Nevada debate. And then I spent days editing it and making it all slick. And then I realized, what am I doing? This woman is a queen. And we need to hear every last word. For Yang Gang, for Yang Curious, for everyone pivoting into this new normal where he's a CNN correspondent, and yet everything is so fluid, who the heck knows? We go deep, we go dark, we go behind the scenes of the caucus chaos. We maniacally giggle. I do that a lot. She also does it. And it's beautiful, it's gold, it's, it's necessary. I am Sarah Allen, your podcast host who knows just enough to be dangerous about a lot of things. I won't lie, Yang Gang. This is therapy. You're welcome. Okay, so Andrew Yang came into my awareness on February 12th, 2018, in the form of an article featured in the New York Times entitled, The Robots Are Coming. So I, I rolled on over one morning, as I'm uh, apt to do, reading the headlines, and I saw an article entitled, The Robots Are Coming. And I thought, okay, I'll bite. <laughs> and I started reading the article and it was introducing a, a young man by the name of Andrew Yang who had just declared for the presidency for 2020. Now, mind you, this is 2018 and I'm still reeling, as is most of the country, from what had just happened in 2016. So my mind was not even thinking about 2020 in that moment. And yet here was this article about this young man, and he started talking about automation and the threat of automation and how um, 4 million manufacturing jobs had been um, taken away across the Midwest and Ohio and Wisconsin and Michigan, all the states that Trump wound up winning that put him in the presidency. And immediately it took me to home. I'm from Ohio. I'm from the Midwest. I'm from one of those small towns, Portsmouth, Ohio. It's on the Ohio River. It borders Kentucky and West Virginia. My grandmother worked in the shoe factory. My grandfather worked in the atomic plant. Everybody in those towns uh, worked in one of the factories whose jobs got automated away or got sent overseas. And it was a real struggle. There was nothing that came in to replace them. 
and we didn't know what we were going to do. And we didn't have the opportunity uh, available to us to uh, go and get retrained. It's hard to go back to school when you've already got a family and a mortgage and, and bills and uh, the jobs that were coming in to replace these manufacturing jobs were not even comparable. I can't work and make $16, $17 an hour, which was a pretty good living in 1970-ish, uh, to now go work right. at Walmart for $8. That's just not realistic. And so here's Andrew talking about this and not only articulating it, but then offering a solution of a universal basic income for $1,000 a month to every American simply because they're American and that it's something that we can afford to do and that we ought to be doing in our country. And it just made so much sense. I said, finally, somebody is talking about something tangible because while you may not be able to live on $1,000 a month, I know what $1,000 a month would have done. It would have made a difference to my grandmother and my grandfather when we were panicking back in those days. It really would have given them at least a lifeline to, of survival to know something was coming in until they could figure out what their next move was. So once I read that, I called the campaign. I actually emailed them that day and I said, sir, I don't know who you are. And I don't know, I don't, I don't know where you are from, but you are, you are speaking to a, a situation that seems to have gotten lost in all of our political discourse. I said, and you're offering a tangible solution, not just a, a platitude or an idea. So I am in Washington, D.C., I'm a minister. I hear I have congregation members who come to me every week and they're not sure what they're going to do. A thousand dollars a month would change the trajectory of some of their lives. So I want to help you however I can. And I sent it to the, the email that was attached to the article. And shortly after that, the campaign responded and they said, you know, thank you so much. We really appreciate you reaching out. Uh, we'll definitely be in the D.C. area and we would love to. Uh, you know, have you come to, to, to an event? And I thought, great. And maybe 30 minutes after that, the, the, <laughs> the candidate wrote me back. And I said, now, wait a minute. Is this him or is this, you know, somebody writing for him? But he wrote back and said, you know, Reverend Hamilton, thank you so much. This is Andrew Yang. I really appreciate um, everything that you just said. You get it. And I look forward to, you know, you helping us to spread it. I was like, Aha! well, there we go. God, thank you very much. I, uh, I am, am honored to be able to do that. And six months later, he came down to D.C. and there were a group of us that met with him. Uh, and we call ourselves the original Yang Gang, the OGs. And we were with him ever since. Yeah. Oh, so 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 that's June of 2018. Yes, ma'am. And you came down and you you met Andrew Yang. And yeah. then how did you actually end up as part officially part of the campaign? So once once I met with him in um, in June, myself and like I said, a group of others, he had a little function, a little get together, a meet and greet over on uh, on Capitol Hill. And, yeah. we, you know, we went over there and, and met with him then. And I just introduced myself personally and just, you know, we got a chance to talk with him, have a lot of intimate time to talk with him since it was such a small group of us and, you know, shared what ways we felt like we could help and what ways that we could contribute. And so they took all of our names and they kept in touch with us. And then Andrew came back maybe in like September. So that was in June. And maybe in September, he was coming back to do uh, a, a, like a town hall or, you know, like a little rally. I mean, back in those days, you know, 25 people was a rally for us. So it was like, 
wow, you know, he's going to this brewery up in Baltimore. So they called and they said, hey, you know, Reverend Wendy, would you mind coming to introduce Andrew and just telling, you know, a little bit of your story and how you got involved with the campaign? I'm like, absolutely. So that October we went to, you know, I met them up in Baltimore and um, introduced him at that particular rally. And from that point on, I just started volunteering in, in, in whatever way I can. I did not officially come on the campaign until September of 2019. Up until yeah. that point, I was just volunteering, introducing him, you know, just doing whatever I could. I'd go to the debates, you know, flew myself uh, because it was just something I, I had to do. I, I felt called from the very beginning to be a part of, of what this man was, you know, endeavoring to do. And so it was just no thing for me to to offer myself in whatever ways I could to support him, but also and most importantly to support the message because I just believed in it so strongly. And uh, by that by the time September rolled around, it was like, okay, Wendy. So guess what? <laughs> we are now in a position that we really want you to come on um, in a more official capacity. You know, we're ramping up. More people know him now, of course. And we really want to begin to reach out to faith communities because that was the that was the connection for me. Um, the connection uh, early on when I read the message and, and read the article, all I saw were spiritual principles running rampant through his message, just in terms of what are we doing to look out for the least of these? Where do we lose sight of being our brother's keeper, our sister's keeper? Where um, is our humanity. You know, why have we forgotten how to love one another and to take care of one another and to be gracious and to be kind? And so I'm thinking this man is preaching what I'm preaching every week. You know, he may not be using the same language, but it's the same principles. And I can't imagine, you know, any person of faith not tapping into what's what's being said here and what his overall vision is and what he's attempting to do. And so that's sort of the capacity in which I offered myself because I also felt like as a conduit through the faith community, I wanted to go in and talk to religious leaders and introduce them to this message so that they could see how much it resonates with all that we're already trying to do. And so by September, they were prepared to do that and made me a you know formal offer to come on you know, with the title and, and, and everything that comes along with that and immediately began dis dispatching me to uh, to uh, South Carolina to, you know, meet with black church leaders. We were focusing on the early states. I went back and forth to Iowa, uh, you know, and in between made phone calls. So, so yeah, I really came on officially in September of 2019, although I had been involved on a volunteer basis since February of 18. Well, there... There's so many ways this conversation can go. And I'm sort of a quantum interviewer. It's kind of like past, present, future. It's just all in a blender right now. Um, so when you said they would dispatch you, mm -hmm. um, so so what was your impression of sort of the, the overall organization of the campaign? I mean, was it a smooth running thing? Did it seem chaotic? Or what was your impression of how they, how, were they on task? Or what, what's your impression there? My impression was more that it was a, um, a a strategic sort of leap of faith 
uh, organization. Okay, yeah. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it actually really does, but I'd like to hear what, what that means to you. What that means to me is that, you know, we had pretty much a, a framework and a foundation from which to work upon, but at the same time, we were and are a very non-traditional campaign. And so in that regard, we didn't always follow the traditional or the more linear paths that people somehow, you know, expect most campaigns to follow. We were we were outside of the box. And so in that regard, some would look at it and say, I'm not exactly sure what their message was or what we were doing from day to day. It wasn't that we didn't know what we were doing. We certainly had calendars and schedules and, um, you know, ideas in mind of what we want to accomplish and objectives and all of those kinds of things. They just were never sort of set in stone and not allowed to be uh, revisited if a different opportunity presented itself. Well, that makes total sense because on the one hand, um, Andrew Yang is always on message. He's the one candidate you could never, ever (laughs) knock him off message. So you had Mm -hmm. that going for you. And so even if you had to be like, what is which of the um, Raiders of the Lost Ark where he's standing there and then there's the Holy Grail, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, like 500 feet of pure you know, thousand foot drop off away. You just have to throw sand and the bridge and the bridge appears. Right. Exactly. Right. And, and, and so, so <laughs> as a spiritual person, as a, as a faith leader, how, how can you quantify or how do you like, what do you call that? Was there just this sense, almost like a spiritual energy around the campaign for you? For me, it was mostly spiritual. It was certainly intentional and it was, uh, it was a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it was almost like a sacred, like almost a pilgrimage or a mission, you know, styled yeah. uh, approach to campaign where we weren't uh, locked into a particular outcome, if you will. We allowed ourselves to be guided uh, to where we felt it was most important for Andrew to be, to be heard, and to really look to him um, for messaging um, and ideas of of what and where to go next. Uh, So it was really a a journey, if if you will. I mean, I, I think about, and I'm not now, I don't want people to get me confused. It's like, oh, she's calling Andrew Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but, but it was indicative of, you know, Jesus sort of came and told the disciples, drop all your stuff. Come on, follow me. I see a vision and we're going to, you know, accomplish it. And we're going to the other side. And yeah. they just dropped their stuff and they went and he didn't have a GPS And he didn't have, you know, a to-do list or he didn't have a map, but he knew in his heart where he was going. And that was enough for people to drop what they were doing and to follow him. And that it was that kind of sort of messianic spirit that was around this campaign in a sense that we had an ultimate goal of the mountaintop, if you will, that we were going to reach. And we didn't necessarily know how we were going to get there, but we knew that that was the ultimate goal, the ultimate destination. And we trusted in our hearts enough and Andrew's vision enough to follow him. Ah, 
Well, that's the way it seemed on the mm-hmm. outside. And of course, um, you and I were both talking about the inordinate amount of time. When I look back <laughs> over the past seven months since my son, you know, said, Mom, you've got to listen to this guy. That's June of 2019. And <laughs> I mean, if, truth be told, if you would, went back in my Google, Google history, I mean, oftentimes the first or second thing I Googled every day was Andrew Ying. I wanted, (laughs) and then just, just, and and for a while I was kind of reluctant to um, attach myself to the Yang gang monitor. It's like Mm -hmm. moniker. It's kind of like, okay, well, those are the younger, this is like a perpetual motion machine. They'll go out and do anything and they'll make these memes. And it's like, I kind of was like, I'm more Yang train. Right. I'm coming along. <laughs> I'm here to support. I will I go to it. the party. I would go to the party and make overpass signs, but I'm not going to get out there like Paget Kagi or whatever. And it, uh, bless those. I mean, but but watching the the creativity of the Yang gang, it just it just really melts your heart in a way, and you realize. That's why you know we were talking. I you know I got on Twitter, mm-hmm. and it was it was the mm-hmm. media blackout which finally pushed Oof. me over the edge. It was like I cannot take it one second longer. I got on Twitter. I still have my first tweet. It's it was like this is my first tweet at up on MSNBC. We see you and you suck. And it was <laughs> like there and that's that there went that you know resistance is like okay I'm in but I found such it, of course it's an echo chamber and like many people I got on just because of Yang Gang so of course I'm listening to the voices but I wanted to I wanted to hear people it it kind of lifted me up every day to see all the ways people were just going for it in, in trying to advance the message I mean you were right in the eye of the storm I mean <laughs> what was your sort of Yang Gang epiphanal moments along the way there were so many I can't even really <laughs> you know um pull them all together certainly in in this time but I can just say to you just even what you were talking about the creativity that was inspired um as a result of this campaign was just something to behold I mean just the human spirit the awakening that I saw in people whether it was online and them talking about feeling better, feeling connected to something, feeling pulled out of a depressive state, not knowing, you know, or feeling like their life had any particular meaning or value, but suddenly, you know, falling into the the, the Yang rabbit hole on, on YouTube. And, and now they've come out with a, a new life's mission and, and, um, and purpose, if you will. Uh, People coming up to Andrew on the on the campaign trail and telling them stories. You know, one mother came up to him and and was, you know, nearly in tears and telling him, thank you for running. Thank you for who you are. My son, my 19 year old son had been distant in the depression, you know, closing himself off in his room, isolating himself. And he got a hold of your campaign and what you stood for. And now I got my son back. Thank you for giving me my son back, you know, and. Andrew, you know, being as humble as he is, you know, he's, you know, hugging her and he's just like, oh, thank you, man. But even he knows this campaign is is bigger than him. It always was. He is the vessel through which this particular message was uh, you know, chosen to, to come through. But in order to be a chosen vessel, you must be willing to be chosen. And he yeah. was. And as a result of that, so many things now. 
Some people have gone as far as to, you know, get tattoos. I've seen Humanity First tattoos and, uh, you know, one. <laughs> Some very painful looking ones, yeah, too. Right. And, you know, one guy got, got you know, his Andrew's face put on his cat. Now that is dedication, you know. And Andrew, That's the one I was thinking of in terms of looking, it looks painful. Yes. Yeah. Andrew's like, well, I guess I got to win now. You know, people are yeah. changing. And I remember um, because we were grassroots people so wanted to give, you know, we were pulling out of our savings. People were putting their lives on hold. People were putting their savings, you know, some of their savings they were pulling from and, um, people were selling, you know, one woman said, I sold my couch so that I could, you know, donate money. One, uh, one man said I donated plasma so that I could get donations. <laughs> I, it was just astonishing what people are willing. And you don't just do that for a man. You don't just do that for a personality. There is something bigger that is moving you um, internally, in my opinion, for you to make those kinds of sacrifices. That's what this campaign was inspiring. So are you telling me that you can't imagine someone doing that for Michael Bloomberg, for example? Yeah, see... Um, <laughs> you're being <laughs> bad. You. <laughs> let's let's talk about let's talk about uh, door number three, four, five, and six that are left. Oh God! <laughs> Come on, Wendy. Nobody's listening. Oh Lord Jesus, keep me across. <laughs> well, I mean, well, you can. People could say the same thing about. Um, I mean. I've had the whole journey, you know, I, I went down the, the rabbit hole for two years after the election and mm-hmm. was, you know, watching Rachel Maddow every night. And mm-hmm. to the point of right about the time I sent that, you know, signed up for Twitter, I wrote her a one page letter. She, she also, she went to Stanford. I went to Stanford too. And I said, like, I went down this rabbit hole with you for two years. Mm-hmm. And that, and it's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. What, it's like, what about all the hundreds of people who died of opioid addiction today? Yes. What's like, why, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And, um, so, but I, I don't want to, I do want to, I do want to hear you talk <laughs> about the other candidates and campaigns because it's kind of like uh, every once in a while I would venture out of my Twitter comfort zone and I'd go check in on Mayor Pete or Biden or Bernie and I would scurry back so fast. <laughs> like, I can't. I can't handle it. It's, I would get over there and I, oh, well, you know, you, you speak for a second about your experiences. Well, let me say this. Let me say that I have a tremendous amount, amount I should say, of respect for anyone who would subject themselves to this process. Amen. Amen for sure. You understand what I'm saying? That Oh it, my god. It takes more than a notion to decide that you are going to run for the presidency of the United States of America. And Andrew oftentimes would say, I didn't wake up one morning saying I wanted to be president. I didn't plan or dream of be- becoming president. I'm not insane. <laughs> you know. Well, exactly. But, you know, he for him it became a sense of mission and I'll talk about that a little in a little while, because one of the other things that was uh, most special to me about the campaign and another reason that I came on in the role that I did was to also help articulate Andrew's faith to faith leaders, because those questions came up as they often do about political candidates and where do they stand on particular issues and things of that nature. So I had an opportunity to, 
to host a faith town hall with Andrew when we were in Iowa during the first bus tour in order for him to get that on record and talk about where he stands with his own personal faith and his family and all of that. So that was another part of my role on the campaign. Um, but I'll, I'll talk about that later. Back to the other candidates. So yes, I have a yeah, lot. I do. I do want to talk about that though. I do want to hear that, but okay, go yeah. where you're going to go. I have a, <laughs> I have a lot of respect for them because it's a, it's a hard, grueling, thankless <laughs> process. Um, at the same time, the presidency and hot offices that are high like that can also attract people for the wrong reasons, whether that be just to uh, cross it off their bucket list or to fulfill their ego or, you know, for connection, motivation, status, power, you name it. Um, there are, are, are many reasons why people may choose to pursue higher offices. And so for me, I've never been moved to support someone just because of their name or who they are or who they know or, you know, for resume building purposes. I have to feel connected to their message. I have to feel like they're in this for the right reasons. And so when I looked across the candidate, well, because because I, you know, connected with Andrew so early on, he was the second person to declare for 2020 after John Delaney, who runs every year. Um, John Delaney, I think, had oh, declared. Oh, yeah. He parentally like like every cycle. I think he's ran in the last couple of years, at least. <laughs> God I love wondered him. about him. OK, good. Well, because he's a congressman from Maryland. So that's the only reason I know that, you know, I live here in D.C. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So John Delaney is, you know, he is a perennial presidential candidate bless his heart um <laughs> so he he was the earliest one to jump in i don't know exactly what in 2017 but then andrew was second and that was in december of 2017 i think that he officially filed the paperwork so yeah. so at that time so once i got connected with him it i wasn't even interested in 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 really any of the other candidates because i had already made up my mind i had already felt called to, to help and assist him. And I knew that there were going to be other bigger names that were going to come down the pike, you know, that the people were talking about, but it didn't, it never even crossed my mind to go over and, and, and assist with another candidate because there was nothing that they were offering for me that spoke to me on the level of what Andrew was offering. Now, uh, some people looked at me and said, how can you not support Kamala Harris? She's a black woman. She's a, a Howard University alumnus like you and you know she could potentially make history and be the first black woman president of the United States why are you not with her I love her God bless her you go girl not interested her platform was not something that that, that spoke to me or called to me I wished her all the best as I did all of them as they, you know, all continued to come in. But this was never about who can win or who's the most popular or what we need to do. It was about where I felt called to go. And as I got more involved with the campaign, everybody that you talk to, and not just the Yang gang, you know, but even staff members and that, we all had similar stories. When we would sit down you know, at some of the debates afterwards, or we'd have dinner and lunch, and we'd get a chance to finally ask each other, how'd you get involved? How'd you hear about it? How'd you hear it? And everybody's story was similar. Like, well, I, 
I read something or I watched something or I heard something and something told me I need to come help this guy. And that sort of morphed into, you know, the staff that we have, certainly the, the Yang gang. But then even when we got closer to the debates and we had like a Yang week in Iowa where folks yeah. came in, people were flying in from London and Ireland and Asia that, you know, the world was watching. That's how we knew we were onto something bigger. This wasn't just about Andrew Yang. And I can't speak for any other campaigns, but I did not sense that energy in any any of the other campaigns. I know that Bernie has a tremendous amount of, of you know, uh, support. And I, you know, a- Andrew supported Bernie um, in 2016. And I know that yeah. a lot of people believe in what, you know, Bernie has to say. And God loved them, you know, because I always tell people different does not mean inferior. It just means different. <laughs> really? So, yeah. So if I worship differently than you, if I if I support a different candidate than you, that doesn't make me inferior to you. That just makes me different than you. And that's okay. Well, of course, politics is personal. And I learned early on, even though it's so mystifying when you meet someone who doesn't see that he's the guy, mm-hmm. it's, I, but you have to, you know, over time, it's, it's so it's not like it's been a wasted seven months. It's been a journey. Mm-hmm. One, something I got to share with my 18 year old son. Yes. And I, you know, we were, we were both home on, on New Year's Eve, he was in his space, I was in mine, and we were yelling and checking the Chris, the the, the disco ball and donating. And it yes. was like it was it was it was like um, so cathartic. It was it was so beautiful. It's like I just want to believe in that America where a guy yes. like Andrew Yang, mm-hmm. who isn't part of the machine, who mm-hmm. speaks the truth and does it with such a light hand, mm-hmm. you know, like with grace, like yes. I mean, just. Even if all I wanted was one funny president, mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's like, that's enough. He, You know how many families came up to us, you know, on the campaign trail and were saying things like, I told you about the woman and her son, but you had husbands and wives. One was Republican, one was Democrat. And they said somehow Andrew managed to unite their household, strengthen their marriage because that for politics, they had never been able to agree on anything, but both of them could agree that Andrew was a good guy with good pre- and now they were all yang gang and going to you know going to vote. So you know they were talking about marriage restoration. So this this is what I'm talking about the power of what was happening and what continues to happen with that campaign. It's not just about Andrew; it's about what the campaign represents, and it can't be quantified. And it certainly shouldn't be vilified. And I just am grateful to have had any measure of support in it. I told him from the beginning, you don't have to pay me a dime. I will go out here and 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 shake, the, you know, the, the, the trees and, and, you know, whoever will listen to me. Um, you know, I'll be one of those street corner preachers and stand on my soapbox and say, Google Andrew Yang, you know, if I... Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that they brought me on, you know, in a, an official capacity for me was just an ice, you know, the icing on the cake because that was never my motivation. That was never necessarily my goal. But the fact that it, you know, happened just spoke to, you know, to me, his, you know, his, his sincerity of heart 
in in wanting to um, address the spiritual and cultural outreach, you know, aspects of the campaign with somebody who he felt comfortable enough to to bring on to his campaign officially. So I was very humbled by that. Now, so do you think it's just a matter of if you had enough time to get Andrew together with every single kind of faith leader across the country, do you think it's just a matter of time before they just admit like, oh, yeah? Um, I think you're talking about for some of them, there were quite a few who saw it right away, you know, really depends because, you know, we're so different in our denominational beliefs and our interpretation of scripture and context. And that's a whole nother sermon. But, um, if you see it, you see it. And that's why I tell people, you know, for me, Andrew is the faith candidate. If you're looking for spiritual principles of faith, they're running all through our policies and all through the campaign platforms. He may not be your religious candidate, but he is certainly your faith candidate. And so that was the way that I would present it to religious leaders. If you're looking for somebody who's going to check all the boxes on, on your denomination's understanding of what makes you a good Christian, a good Presbyterian, you know, whatever, he's not going to be that guy. But if you're looking for the principles of loving your neighbor as you love, you know, as we, you know, you love yourself and, and, and taking care of the poor and the oppressed and the widow. And if you're looking for social justice and the things that we claim to promote that Jesus stood for, this is your guy. But, you know, I know, why did I never hear that on the, uh, uh, that's what we were talking about. Also, I, when I was early on, when I found you on Twitter and you were, like I said, just like, um, you know, a cover in the storm just like okay here's a woman who's just speaking normally speaking positive words and Mm -hmm. you know the origin of packing for crazy town was after the election Mm -hmm. um in 2016 there i could not turn anywhere and get any conversation that had anything to do with possibility or positivity in bananas Mm -hmm. times it's like okay i'm gonna i want to find conversations that are about the opportunity Mm -hmm. you know about thriving in chaos and like what you know, it's kind of like you got to get down to get up. Like we needed George Bush to get Barack Obama. Exactly. So we, need, we need Donald Trump. To, I've always, yeah. it's like, whatever. I mean, we mm-hmm. need him to get the next person who I ha- was literally 1000% sure up to, um, you know, really recently that it was going to be Andrew Yang. Yeah, I just couldn't, me too. I can't believe. Me too. And, and so, but, but when we were talking, I said, okay, my take on, the, the quick turnaround in Iowa and New Hampshire was he's the guy who rolled out of a burning sedan headed for a cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, that goes over the cliff. We don't know what's going to happen, but he's mm-hmm. dusting himself off. He put some Band-Aids on, and now he's walking off into the horizon. Yang gang, bigger by the day, by his side. Now he's got this CNN gig. What yep. is, what, you know, even just talking to you earlier today, mm-hmm. I just was getting goosebumps. <laughs> Where ha, ha, t- What's your take on the pivot it was a very quick pivot. It seemed like from behind the scenes. I mean, how was how well was the okay? We're giving up the campaign. Communicated. How how well did you feel communicated to and 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 on board? Like, what was your process with all that? I think we all, you know, were just paying attention to every word, if you will, in those sort of last days. Uh, what you know, what turned out to be the last days on. How is he sounding? How are the responses? What are the communications coming out of the headquarters? What are they looking like? How are they sounding now as opposed to 
um, you know, how they were sounding a couple of weeks ago. The one thing we yeah. knew that uh, I would say leading up to Iowa, you couldn't tell me that we weren't going all the way. You know what I'm saying? You, you, yeah. you know, There was never a time where a, a wind down or a potential of us suspending would have even entered into any of our minds because we were laser focused on, you know, turning out and, and doing things well in Iowa. That that debacle <laughs> that was the Iowa caucus yeah. really um, did a lot of damage to morale across the board, not just for us, but for many campaigns, because, you know, traditionally you can build something and start to, you know, build a message of some momentum or of some measure coming out of Iowa. That's the whole point is that once the first votes are cast, now you can get a better sense of how to position yourself because now you have a little bit more credibility. Now you're not just relying on polls and what people said they might do, but now you have actual concrete votes that have been tallied and you can, you can go from there. And so for us up until Iowa, we were all, you know, high and ready to go. The Iowa results, you know, and subsequent, you know, confusion afterwards and the way things played out was really a gut punch. It was a, it was a reality check. And, you know, all throughout the campaign, you could sense it, you know, in this um, notion of what what does this mean? So we're looking for Andrew to talk to us or to, you know, get on Twitter or and 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 let us know because we sort of gauged ourselves by you know how he went. And Andrew is the eternal optimist. I thought I was the optimist. He is the eternal. I know he is. He is. <laughs> he yes. is the, you talk about a happy warrior. I just I love him. I'm like you just go, boy, because I you know I'm like I'm ready. I'm over here ready to fight with somebody, and you're like okay, whatever, it's cool. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, whatever, it's cool. Now, were you in on the ground in Iowa? I was. You I mean, were on the ground, not okay. during caucus. No, the, I, not I, during the caucus. No, I went to. I was on both. We did two bus tours in in Iowa. Yeah. The first one was in December, and so I was. I, I rode the bus. I was there for about five days on the bus for that tour, and then I came back for the second bus tour for a few days, and then I went back again uh, for Dave Chappelle. You did. Okay. I did, and so um, so you were waiting. Now, of course, we're all waiting. To, and I I felt the same thing. It's like he's going to, you know, how he carries himself. And I could tell after Iowa because mm-hmm. it's just it's just an unfortunate thing. The way it's set up is mm-hmm. it's not really set up to. I mean, every single Yang Gang person I've ever met is basically falls in the spectrum of you know really nice, mm-hmm. smart, mm-hmm. creative, and. Um, not especially extroverted. Mm-hmm. And so then it's like, okay, so we need all these people to go out and perform in a way that the, the people who have already been through the machine, like the Bernie people and right. Biden, and right. they, they, they know what to do. It just looked like such a nightmare. Well, even Evelyn, who is a queen and wonderful and beautiful and lovely, yeah. even Evelyn said to Andrew, uh, and he mentioned this in one of his post post interviews after, you know, suspending the campaign, he was talking about how, you know, Evelyn had observed that the caucus structure really is not set up for 
us, you know, the primary works better because in the caucus setting, like what you just described, if you aren't familiar with how that process works and if you're not an extroverted, you know, rah, rah, get somebody over, you know, to your side and support your guy, if that's not you naturally, you're not going to feel comfortable in those settings. And there were some of these precincts where we had precinct captains who were introverts, who really, when it was their time to get up and speak and present, you know, Andrew and make the case for why Andrew should be supported. You know, they were saying one guy, you know, got up there and he, he really had a tough time. I mean, but the crowd in there was supportive and they, they saw that he was struggling, you know, so they supported him and he got through it, but it didn't necessarily, uh, you know, motivate people, not because of him, but that's just, they're set up for people who are able to, you know, cheerlead and and get people. And if that's not your personality style, that's not going to feel natural for you. So the caucus, yes. yeah, the caucus setup is not really designed for the kinds of folks that were supporting, you know, supporting Andrew Yang. And so as a result, you know, some of the, some of what we had now, Iowa wasn't a complete loss because on the first round of the caucus, you know, we did come out with 5%, which is about where we thought we would be. But what happened is, you know, then they do a second second round or second tiering or whatever if you're not yeah. viable and then your folks kind of splinter off and go, you know, to somebody else based on the negotiations that happened there at the caucus spot. So it wasn't a complete bust for us. But if you think about that's where the majority of our time, focus, energies and, and, and mental faculties have been placed for two years it was just uh, it was just a huge letdown in many ways, and it left us kind of reeling. Um, although we had set up a pretty good infrastructure in New Hampshire, because we always thought that New Hampshire was a better fit, you know, for our campaign, just in terms of their independent makeup, you know, the their ideologies there, you know, they they think for themselves, and so Steve Marchand, who was our great and wonderful, you know, state director up there in New Hampshire. I mean, he he corralled folks together and and uh, we had a lot of support in New Hampshire. But again, once the Iowa caucuses ended up the way that they did, that kind of dampened some people's enthusiasm heading into New Hampshire. So, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. I do think that because of the way things turned out in Iowa, this will probably be their last opportunity to be the first. Uh, oh my God, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I, think I hope so. Yeah, I think that's gone. So, okay. uh, <laughs> I, mean, so I was watching them mill around. I'm like, okay, but to, at least that's over. Yeah, but to finish your your that that question that yeah. you asked that yeah. that essentially after Iowa, we knew that it, it could potentially only be a matter of time before some hard decisions had to be made. And we, you know, weren't given a, a, a time frame of when those would happen specifically. It wasn't spelled out. But if you listened to the messages and what we were saying, we had put out up into Iowa, we could put out a fundraising call and meet it and exceed it with no with no problem. You know, uh, Yang yeah. Money Bomb and, and and drop the money in there and boom. Um, meet it and, and, and like I said, even exceed it so that we could turn in good numbers. Um, between Iowa and New Hampshire, we had three different deadlines that we set, fundraising deadlines, and we didn't meet any of them. It was it was it was hard to be on the outside looking in. I mean, at mm-hmm. that point, and I did donate in that time, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like um, 
the day before New Hampshire, I was, you know, I was, I got texted and I was texting back and they go, we're just, and I go, you know, I kind of just want to wait and see about New Hampshire because my take was watching Andrew, I think it was on the CNN town hall uh-huh. right after Iowa and he came out and I thought to myself, that's the one time, even though people said, oh, he won that. And it's like, sure, he always wins. But, it's like, <laughs> but I always I felt like that's the one time that I actually felt like he was slightly pressing uh-huh. and I've never seen him. And I was like, okay, you know, he's feeling it and he's yep. feeling, yep. he's feeling those layoffs. Yep. He's feeling all yeah, that. Yeah, the now, pending, the pressure finally of, of what was to come finally, I think, you know, began to register with him. Right. So he said, okay, now the playoffs start. Okay, well, he's down, you know, one nothing right. in a in a playoff. And so um do you think when I when I saw the story, you know, then they're still scraping the bottom of the barrel to come up with dirt on him and they're just <laughs> like, "Oh, people in, you know, Iowa were left shocked and their emails were turned off." I mean, part mm-hmm. of it's just like boohoo. You mm-hmm. know, he's mm-hmm. busy he's busy winning, uh, you know, doing this. But mm-hmm. I mean, what was your take on kind of how that all was handled? Whether it was handled, whether it could have been done better or anything. Well, I think, you know, any time that you're dealing with a large organization and having to make some sort of on-the-spot snap decisions, there are ways that they can be handled and then they're, you know, differently. And I I would, I would say that um, from what I understand, the communication around what decisions were being made in terms of letting go or holding on or who was remaining, who wasn't, were not communicated as clearly as they could have been. And as a result, there was some confusion um, for for a day or so in that uh, people were not sure what was happening. That was not intentional. It was just a matter of deciding which is the best route to go, what what are we supposed to do and what's the best way to handle it. And so I do know that, you know, folks that were um, confused by what happened and and, and uncertain about how things were handled and maybe not happy about it were certainly contacted many by Andrew himself personally to say, you know, he apologized for anybody who felt like it wasn't handled properly. You know, we, we keep him pretty insulated, you know, from all of that administrative stuff, if you will. Yeah. He's got enough on his plate to yeah. not have to and shouldn't have to worry about how personnel matters and things like that are being handled. And so we did what we could to try to keep his name, you know, his head in the game as far as uh, what his next steps and being prepared for debates and, 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 and interviews and all those things needed to be. To be. So, you know... I I can't really speak to who made the decisions um, to to release who on what day or, or how any of that went down. I do believe that it it probably could have been done with a little bit of a better communication strategy. But at the same time, what I've also found is that as uh, press got wind of that, they wanted to run with it, you know, so oh, that you, like sharks all of a sudden you see yeah. all of these stories like, oh, now you want to print something. But, no, the, but the one thing that I found across all of the stories was that even those who may have felt left in the dark or not uncertain of, of how things went down or happened, none of them had anything bad to say about the campaign. 
Nothing that had anything negative to say about Andrew Yang. They were all like, it was still the greatest experience of my life and I have nothing but good things to say. And, and it said, you know, many of them were saying that because they hoped to, to work with him again at some point in the future. And that I felt was different than other campaigns. You know, sometimes when things don't go and flow the way people would like, they've got a lot to say. They're looking for the first microphone that's available, you know, to, to tell you know, how bad and now I'm going to air all this dirty laundry about how terrible things were. And um, I just didn't see that, you know, you might have had one, you know, or two people that sort of complained publicly. But the majority of folks were like, hey, we knew that this was a long shot. You know, we knew that we were kind of operating based on, you know, our funding that and, and our capability of continuing on. And so we would have liked to continue. We're not able to at this time. Things happen. We're over it. Okay, whatever. It's cool. We still love the campaign. We still believe in the mission and we still want to work for the man if he uh, ever calls us again. Well, well, let's let's jump. Let's get off that and mm-hmm. let's just jump to um what is happening? We So he rolled out of the burning car. He's walking into the horizon. <laughs> Yang gang on his side. He's got a CNN gig. I mean, what is... What it tell me about like the moment he suspends and and uh, you know we talked about this a little bit in the um, pre call but mm-hmm. I'd really love to hear you know why should the Yang Gang feel because I do I take him at his word this is just the beginning and I right. I kind of you know you take a second to reset it's like okay good I can mm-hmm. I thought I was going to delete Twitter but I'm not <laughs> going to I'm kind of like I kind of like to be able to jump in when I want but I mean what's what happened when he suspended with the other campaigns? Why should we feel amazing about and trust his his you know his next steps? Well, I would say number one because he's never given us a reason not to. Amen. <laughs> amen. Next. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. Class dismissed. But um, yeah, he's never given us a reason not to, and all of us are in this for more than just him. And so, even those of us who thought we were going to walk away, like you just said, or thought they were going to delete Twitter, can't seem to quite do it because when you're mission driven, you're not going to you know, relax until the mission is complete. And so we feel like we have, you know, we're still a part of this mission. We might've gotten derailed. We might've had to take a detour, but we know in our hearts and in our souls, it ain't over. It's not over. And then we look to him to say, you know, for our cues. And he said, we'll be back. You know, this is just the beginning. We're getting started. I mean, the fact that he suspended the campaign, not because it was, you know, his polling or his numbers, his reason for suspending the campaign was I cannot in good conscience continue to take money from people and knowing I don't have a clear path forward. Sign me up for that candidate. You understand what I'm saying? He, because he and he said this too i'm i'm only you know repeating things that he has said himself on record and that was if it were up to him he was going to at least try to stay in through super tuesday you know because yeah. there's it's such a wild card you just you know you know never know who's going to wind up dropping out or or how things are going to play themselves out so if it if it were up to him and he had his druthers he was just going to kind of hang hang around and 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 stay in it until he absolutely, you know, had to to step down if necessary. Yeah. But but in in good conscience. 
he could not do that. He could not continue asking people to give. He knew what people were out here sacrificing. He knew what people were out here, you know, endeavoring to do and coming out of their, you know, own pockets to do things that he could not in good conscience continue to ask because he knew if he continued to ask, we continue to sow. We'd, we'd continue to figure out a way to, you know, to get some money to him. And so I admire that. Well, this is the tweet. This is the tweet that you I'm looking at the the Twitter sphere. You said gracious God, loving spirit, source of all that is we are filled to overflowing with anticipation for what the next phase of this campaign will be. We are ready and then help us remain patient, focused, gracious and kind as we await further instructions on your plans. Amen. And it's like you're you're just kind of this. you know, the reason why I reached out and I didn't even know how to DM and I still don't know how to DM, but, <laughs> but you were kind enough to, to get back in touch was like your voice. And like we were talking about, it's no accident that someone like you and then someone like Dave Chappelle and mm-hmm. Donald Glover, I mean, mm-hmm. true visionaries, people mm-hmm. who speak the truth, people have people who've already gotten, you know, gotten to a place where they don't need to t- they don't need to reach down and pull other people up with them but mm-hmm. but they care they mm-hmm. care about human suffering they care and they mm-hmm. see they see what he sees which is like into the future yep and so mm-hmm. um so uh so andrew yang he says we will be back now mm-hmm. there's a book i've heard i've heard mayor of new york city i mean <laughs> i mean he just seems like He's, it's not like he's, maybe he is made of Teflon. I mean, what, what do you think, um, you said, now you did mention, you know, and he did say he's, a lot of, a lot of the candidates reached out to him. What do you think that message to him is right now? Don't go anywhere. Please don't go anywhere. I mean, uh, I think, you know, one of the things that's been, you know, a little frustrating for me is how much glowing media coverage he has received since suspending oh his campaign. I so, am so embarrassed. I'm like, are you absolutely kidding me right now? We we could not shame them into giving the coverage <laughs> <laughs> that they are giving him. I mean, it's article after article. Oh, his his you know his thousand dollar a month proposal deserves you know, more attention and his <laughs> ideas are going to be missed. And, you know, Andrew Yang's gang has, be, has remained, they're becoming stronger, even though he's gone. And I mean, it was, his name is and has been everywhere. And I thought, you know, is it, is it now that he's suspended his campaign, they don't feel threatened by him. So they feel safe and covered. I mean, I don't know what this is about, but okay, we'll take it. Because it it raises his profile, it raises his, you know, his notoriety, which is something that, you know, we were coming against and why he had to start campaigning so early because he had to overcome the, the, you know, lack of name recognition. So what he has since said is, you know, this is not over. This is just the beginning. We'll be back. Yeah, he mentioned something about maybe I should write a book. Um, he's yeah. mentioned uh, he, that his phone has been ringing nonstop since he suspended campaign. Barack Obama called him, um, you know, and others have called him. And there have been other, you know, candidates who have said to him that they want him to, you know, stay around because they hope to make his voice and his ideas a part of their administration in some way, shape or form. And everybody has said that um, even while we were still campaigning, like, look, that Yang guy, his his ideas 
are necessary. They're what we need. We may not even understand them right now, but we know we need them. And so he needs to be a part of whoever administration's cabinet, if it's not his own, make him the secretary of, you know, commerce, uh, open up the office of technology again, which is one of Andrew's, you know, policies and make him head over that. But he cannot not participate in in you know whatever administration moving forward and and Andrew also you know said that his whole goal of course was to get automation and UBI into the national discourse and if he had done that he would feel like he had accomplished you know at least a portion of his mission he has certainly done that where there was one debate where the whole first 20 minutes was on automation they would not have had that conversation if Andrew Yang was not, uh, you know, had not been a part of the race. And so for that, you know, we're really grateful. So, yeah, I think he's sitting back. Yeah, somebody said, you know, what about mayor of New York? You know, I started getting messages. I've, I've worked in social justice circles. I worked for NAACP, Ben Jealous, who was the NAACP president, the youngest in history. I worked for him for about four years. And so, uh, you know, have been in in situations and settings around politics and political um, campaigns for for quite a while and so I got a message uh, the, the the night after he suspended I woke up that morning you know and I'm still kind of glossy eyed from what everything that's happened and it's like yeah. hey Reverend Wendy just want you to know I like Andrew for uh, mayor of N NYC you let me know because he's like an organizer up in uh, New York he's like hey you let me know if he's going to do it because tell him I got Queens and Harlem on lock you know I'm like <laughs> dude I'm still grieving you know <laughs> and you're all right. you know and, and the vultures are already circling out like, yeah, we want them. We want them. And, uh, you know, I saw yesterday and I, re I retweeted it, a poll that talked about, you know, who would you like to see for the vice presidency? And Andrew Yang is second. He came in at 18 percent just be behind Kamala Harris, who's at 20. So it's already out there in the atmosphere um, publicly that folks want Andrew Yang to be involved in some way, shape or form in this government. That is well, a given. Well, it is. And I just, I remember from way back early on his messaging, which is, you know, it's, it's so brilliant. You, it's, it's, it's like the measure of his chemistry or something that you mm -hmm. can never knock him off his game. But right. he said, either I'll be president or whoever's president is going to well, sound a lot like me. Exactly right. <laughs> and so, and so I'm thinking in, and early, maybe four months ago, I mean, we, we all have journeys with candidates, right? I mean, mm -hmm. um, you know, Pete Buttigieg, the first time I, I heard about him, it's like, you know, fell in love with him. Oh, he's commiserating with Danish people in, da in, you know, in, in, in their native tongue. It's like, yes, yeah, sign me up. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, and then I'm then I'm like, sure, a Buttigieg Yang ticket because Andrew doesn't necessarily actually want to be president and Pete doesn't actually have any plans. And so like that would actually be perfect. You are you know being I mean? bad. Yes. I'm trying to bring it. Okay, I went there. That's Talk okay. To me about Bernie. <laughs> oh my God. Mm -hmm. Bless on. him. Bless him. Bless him. And then what? I mean, because you obviously you're 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 no stranger to the Bible. I assume mm -hmm. a lot of these things that you say. I mean, I consider myself a spiritual person. Do I know uh -huh. the Bible? Not really, but right. these sound. I mean, is this okay? Quote, quote, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Yes. Now it shall spring forth. Yes. Shall you not know it? I mean, that's from the Bible, right? It is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry to fly my uh, my ignorant flag, but I mean. That's me, okay. 
the, you're, the so you're tell me you know um well no i really wanted you to dish on bernie but i also kind of just want to keep digging a little bit into your background your spiritual background but first dish on bernie then then let's do that well, the only dish that I have on Bernie is what I said earlier. I'm a, I'm impressed by the passion that he seems to stir in the people who follow him. And so I can I can appreciate that because, you know, we feel as strongly about Andrew as some people apparently feel, you know, about sure, Bernie. Sure, of course. And so, no, you know, respect. I get that. Um, yeah. My, my only um, difference for me is that um, the energy around the campaign feels different than the energy around the gang campaign. Um, it feels a little tenser, um, a little less uh, friendly at times or kind. Um, I think, you know, Bernie himself would probably characterize it as, as a, a righteous indignation, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, the angry Muppet thing. Yeah. yeah, I, I don't, I don't necessarily. That's that's counter to my personality, and so for me, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't, wouldn't fit well. I, I can't, I can't hold on to that level of, of anger and indignation and, um, dis, you know, disgust sometimes or, um, this us versus them and yeah. I can't demonize another group of, of folks for for who they are or for what they have I just don't I don't see that as being a productive way of bringing us back together so I, I can suppose, only speak yeah. to the message I suppose I suppose there um I didn't pay that close of attention you know four mm -hmm. years ago with the whole the 2016 thing mm -hmm. um with with the whole Hillary thing and I suppose if if Andrew Yang had gone through this whole thing and been, you know, maybe gypped out of it mm -hmm. in favor of someone else. I mean, I think that would have some lingering toxic effects. I mean, it sure. may, it may, but I'm not even speaking about those kinds of hurt, you know, you know, unresolved traumas and pains that you might've experienced through uh, what happened in 2016. I'm talking about your messaging. I'm talking about this notion of somehow that oh, there has yeah. to be, a painted evil uh, boogeyman um, who's um, benefiting on your, you know, on at your expense, and somehow I have to turn you and your angers toward them um, in an effort to get you to support what right. I am endeavoring to do. Right? Does um, that make us sense? Versus us versus them. The whole. Yes, it totally does. Right. It does make sense. And um, we've always had the, the, you know, if you want to call it the haves and the have nots and, 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 and those that are doing well. And, and, and that I think that the issues and the reasons why those um, dichotomies exist need to be explored. I don't think they're black or white. I think there's a nuance to them that you have to be willing to, to, to dig into. Um, in order to understand it and you have to have some compassion and some some understanding and you you can agree to disagree without being disagreeable right and um 
I'm, I guess um, I don't want to take too much of your time. I do think the, the debate is starting soon. It's just like mm -hmm. the thought of what I didn't even watch the one that didn't have Andrew in it. Um, right. <laughs> because it's just like, uh, why bother? But uh, I think I will turn in, tune in. Um, I am kind of curious about Michael Bloomberg. Like, how does he think this is actually going to work out for him? Eventually, people are going to wake up, right? Well, you know, I, 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 I understand his thinking around. I know Trump well enough to take him on. I think that's yeah. what he's saying is, no, I have history with this man, so yeah. I can get under his skin. I can get to him in a way that none of the other candidates can, you know, so I understand that motivation and where he might be coming from. But for me, we're tired of that. You know, all day was spent today, not all day, but a good portion of the day was him and Trump going back and forth on Twitter, calling each other names and oh, fussing. Really? Yeah, oh, oh my gosh. That. Yeah. You know, Trump saying, well, mini Mike, you know, you're dead <laughs> on the inside and nobody's listening to you and you you know you you've committed no all type on of a box yeah like him saying, you can't stand on a box you know <laughs> nobody can hear you and all this stuff and you know mike bloomberg tweets back and says impeached president says what you know <laughs> like basically okay okay we're, we're not doing this is, is this what we've been reduced to in the presidency of the United States is Twitter beefs between two, you know, God love them, but 70 plus year old men who claim to want to be the leader of, of all of us. Is this what it has become? Right. I don't want it to be that. And, you know, as I've seen, I'm just going to say this. This is my, you know, it's my personal feeling, to be honest with yeah. you. Yes. I am not necessarily upset that we suspended um, the campaign now. And I say that because even in the last couple of days, it has devolved into such a place that yeah. I don't even want Andrew sullied by what's about to happen because this general election is about to be nasty. Yeah, It's already with the entrance of Bloomberg into the race in the way that he was now before he was kind of a shadow in the background but once the votes start getting cast and he actually started showing up as placing you know in second and third place and and all of that the reality of the fact that this man has been able to register with voters and not given the same sacrifice that many of these candidates have given over the past two years he hasn't knocked on any doors he hasn't you know, walked through any snowstorms. He hasn't, you know, held town hall after town hall. He hasn't done any of those things and, and said he's not going to. And yet he's been rewarded by, you know, qualifying to, to be uh, polled. And, you know, he won the New Hampshire. I don't know if you remember those early results that came out in New Hampshire. You know, the Dixville Notch people that vote at midnight every year on New Hampshire yeah. in New Hampshire. Yeah. You know, that came that gave us some hope. That whole day in New Hampshire, we had a lot of hope because we came in third. So <laughs> out know. of eleven votes. Yeah. Hey, we'll take it. Shoot. <laughs> I, I knew that was a thin ledge to be pushed on, but it was like 
And we'll take you, it. You cannot take back those 12 hours. Listen, we danced on that ledge. <laughs> Honey, you would have thought that that was it. That was the win because we had been craving that so desperately. Honey, I, I know. I, I, I rode, know. I rode them 11 voters like they was 11 million. I was like, yeah, we're in third. <laughs> but, but, but Mike Bloomberg won the Republican primary and he, you know, oh, he did. Yes, because they did a Republican and he wasn't even on the ballot. They wrote him in. So that that didn't bode well with people, you know, starting off the day, because it was like, how did Mike Bloomberg score one vote in the Democratic primary, five in the Republican one and win it? He beat Trump and uh, Bill Weld, I think is still on for the Republicans. Yeah. Through right in because he wasn't he didn't campaign there. He hasn't been up there, but he's been you know, saturating the airways with his ads and he got, you know, and he got votes. And so that set a precedence then for, it looks like Bloomberg may factor into this race after all. And well, sure enough, now here he is. And, and it's, it's been reduced down to, you know, name calling and going back and forth and, uh, you know, lies about who's had a heart attack and who's, who's not. And, 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 you know, it, for me, it's beginning to feel like Andrew might have gotten out right in time because he was just never going to be that guy. He was never going to be the one. If that's what it's going to take for Trump, that you've got to become who he is and, and fight on his level and stuff like that. That's just not who Andrew is and, and was never going to be that person ever. I, I was I was dreaming early on after, you know, my son said, watch this. I watched the video Then I probably spent about a third of the next two days reading everything, watching everything. We got his book. I read the book Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think I wonder, you know, the 90 million people who didn't vote last Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you think, um, the second tweet after I, I called out up on MSNBC was, <laughs> was basically I did a gift because I, I was a political science major and I see it hasn't happened in 68 years, but now everyone's talking about a brokered convention. Yeah. How, you know, they're going to ride in there. And I remember listening, I think it was the uh, David Axelrod podcast that Andrew did. And in the mm-hmm. end, he, when he said, well, I, you know, Nobody's going to go into Milwaukee with the requisite number of delegates. And so I intend to be at that table of five or six people. Now, I wonder, is he still going to be at that table? I think he's not. I think everything is on the table at this point, Sarah, because I I, like I said before, a lot of that, too, he was saying as a result of what he knew in that moment and what what he could see in that moment. The, the, The Bloomberg factor um, has changed things a bit. And even Andrew tweeted something on that. He said, you know, Bloomberg being in the debate certainly changes things. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that now, you know, Andrew's very smart and he does things from a, a heart centered, but, but calculated way. You know, he looks at the data, he crunches numbers, he operates in facts, not emotion. And so he's not going to get caught up in people telling him what he should be doing, what he should be considering. He's going to very strategically map out what his next steps are going to be. And that's, that's the direction that he's going to go. And that's the direction that we are going to follow. And so for him to, he took a few days, he took some downtime and, you know, was kind of, 
restoring himself and being with his family. He was posting stuff on Twitter, you know, showing that he was hanging out with them and, and getting some family time. And, you know, I was very grateful to see that. And then, you know, he did a uh, podcast yesterday that was posted today with Adam Carolla. That was really his first. Oh, good. I yeah, didn't know that. I posted it. It was his first long form, you know, sort of interview post uh, post suspending the campaign. It was really good. And then shortly after that, he announced that he was going to be on CNN tonight, you know, uh, analyzing the debate and then went further to, you know, announce that he would act, had actually signed on as a commentator. My my heart just like leaped like, yes, yes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. First, first, because, you know, so much of our lives and my life and everything has been consumed by, OK, which direction is he going? Is he OK? You know, I'm, I'm constantly praying for him. I spent a lot of time in prayer for that man because yeah. I understood the pressures of what he was experiencing. I pray for his family. Um, and still do, as you might notice every day, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. offering a prayer because I know that was part of my role as well. Um, I, uh, was happy to see that because th the one thing that we fought against the entire time was raising his national profile and people knowing who he was. And yeah. so, and, and yes, the, the media blackout and, you know, I think Zach Grumman, you know, he's the one that tweeted this morning. How do you end the, the media blackout by joining the media? That's what you do. You know what I'm saying? And so they extended well, yeah. him invitation. And so now he's going to get, you know, get the opportunity to have the exposure that they didn't want to give him during the, uh, you know, during the campaign, but he's going to become a trusted voice. People are going to be able to hear his ideas. He's going to be, you know, given a platform more. Some people are going to recognize, well, hey, that's the guy that ran for president or what have you. But this is this is earned media that we couldn't afford um, yeah. during the campaign. And it's mm -hmm. only going to help to raise his profile. Uh, the one thing I will say is that if Andrew does decide to run in 2024, which is something he said is definitely on the table, this is the kind of relationships that you start to build. You, you know, you make your enemy, your friend, <laughs> you know, you build a relationship yeah. and a rapport with them. This is not the big announcement. You know, some people were kind of disheartened today saying, Oh, he sold out to the establishment. Oh my goodness. You know what? <laughs> and I, I don't mean to make fun of them because I, I'm, yeah. their, their feelings are valid too. Sure. But if you have trusted Andrew Yang up until this point, why on earth would you not trust him now? Exactly. Exactly. Like if you have said, trust yeah. his every move and what he has done, this is not the time to somehow think that he has completely given up on his ideals, his morals, his vision, his, his hope. And that, that is just not even, if you believe that about him, I don't know if you knew him from the beginning. Right. I mean, sure. Like letting go of the dream of watch of thinking of him debating Donald Trump. Right. I still, I can see it in my mind. He's like that kind of that Zorro character that, goes like whip, 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 with his with his his sword and all of a right. sudden all Trump's clothes would fall off. <laughs> you know, when you didn't see anything. Right, and, and Trump wouldn't even know. It's like yeah. how did he cut me? Am I cut am I bleeding? <laughs> <laughs> see, I'm not really a social media person, but I would just stick my toe into once in a while like Reddit and one time I posted, you know, just just when I would be moved. You know, it's almost like a it's it's like um Andrew is almost was like a muse to the Yang gang. Everyone yeah. just just is moved to in some of that elaborate artwork. But yes. one time I said, like Andrew Yang is the guy that when he plays the game of hearts, he shoots the moon every time and he wins. And that's why 
he always looks like he's he and Zach are having such a good time because he mm-hmm. has the confidence of someone who's already done the math and mm-hmm. done the work back schedule, and then he was gonna win only. Only we don't really have the big, big, big picture, right? Right. I mean, right. you put it, put it in the, in the, in the great divine in the universe. Yep. There's you some sort in of universe. script, mm-hmm. right? So, so I feel I, I thought, God, we don't have four more years to to waste, right? Um, right. I guess if Trump's out of it, then that's another question. Like there'd be a dem in there, but I mean, um, what? Uh, let me ask you. So you started. I mean, you your your journey is so fascinating. Also, I love a good life arc. I mean, you worked for a Republican I way did. back in the day after you mm-hmm. graduated from Howard. Tell me, since so your journey has got you here, um, you know, it's you're probably less left and right than forward right now. But I mean, um, I guess where where kind of are you today? And it saw on Twitter you went to the beach and you probably decompressed a little bit. Thank you, Jesus, for the water. Oh my <laughs> I God. It's really good. It's like, I want to go to the beach. I love the beach. You know, I associate the beach with God, with the ocean, with the universe. I, I am one with God out there when I'm listening to those waves crash. It it restores me in a way that nothing else does. I think water is sacred. And so for me, it is my connection um, to God. And I go out there and can speak and can sense and can feel God's presence. It doesn't matter when or where I am. And that's where I go when I need to go. I take it to the water. You take it to the water, but now, okay, you're back home. <laughs> yep. Probably. Now, uh, do you think because, uh, and also, I didn't mention this, but um, I did in our pre-call, but when I, you started, right when the voting started, you did those daily kind of check-ins and those prayers. I mean, those were really, <laughs> really cool. And I know you were figuring out the technology, but it was just, it was so great. I mean, how do you think your role in this campaign and kind of your new raised... Um, I guess your profile, I guess, how, well, like, what's, how is this going to affect you? Where, where are you going to be? What are you doing for the campaign or for yourself? You know, where do you see going now? Well, let me go back to the first question you asked just to give you a quick update on you. Yeah. You were asking about my, my journey spiritually yeah, yeah, yeah. through Howard. And so I'm, I'm from Ohio. I came from uh, portions of Ohio, small town and went to Howard university for undergraduate and wound up staying in the district in the DC area um, and was not particularly religious growing up, but my mother wound up passing away my senior year of college. um, And I found out shortly after that I was pregnant and my daughter's father and I split up after that. So a lot of life changes were happening around that time. And I decided to take my daughter and move back to Ohio and be closer to family, um, which I did. And it was at that time that I was at a low place in my life. And I never really went to church growing up, but my cousins on my father's side were very religious, lots of Baptist preachers in my family on my father's side. And so they said, you know, well, hey, you know, you ain't got nothing else to lose. You know, come to church with us. Come try Jesus. I said, hey, whatever. You know, <laughs> I'll try anything once. At this yeah. point, listen, where where are you at? You know, <laughs> so so I went to church with one of my cousins, and it was a very comforting, you know, an enlightening experience. And I said, I'll, I'll try one more time 
went back the next week and I was sold. I was, you know, God spoke to my heart in that moment. I joined that church. I got saved, if you will, um, and just began to delve into Christianity at that time, delve into uh, faith, into God, everything, because I felt so empty. And this was filling a void that I did not even know that I had. And I was literally going to church like eight days a week. I mean, they were like, you know, they had to pull me to the side and be like, Sister Hamilton, we love your zeal, honey, but you do not have to be here every day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't for real. I joined like the bookstore ministry and the choir and because I was a part of this evangelical, charismatic, you know, prosperity black church had about 500 people in and we were you know we run and jump and praise and all i was in that kind of an environment yeah but the theology began to become problematic for me because even though i didn't grow up in a church i did have a sense of spirituality i had an understanding of god and a relationship and understanding enough to know what i believed about god And some of the expectations and some of the messages started to kind of rub me the wrong way in terms of particularly, you know, praying for God to bless you from with money and, you know, praying to God for, you know, all of these material types of things. And then, of course, I've always been a a loving, tolerant person. Um, I, I am a straight ally of the LGBT community, so I never could... Uh, you know, reconcile these messages about, you know, people that were gay were going to hell or God didn't love them. I just, that didn't sit well. That was not who I was. But during that time, while I was figuring that out and trying to understand who I was as a Christian or, you know, in faith, the pastor of the original church that I had joined had always told us that politics and political science was his interest. And so oftentimes he would say things about politics in the pulpit, but would tell you, now I can't tell you how to vote or anything like that, but he would share things. And he was a black guy, young black guy. And he said that, you know, he was a part of his college Republicans. And one of the things he said that resonated with me, and this is what really got me involved in politics was that he said, I'm just going to say this to you all. He said, you know, I'm telling the truth. He said, black people are mostly Democratic because our grandmothers were Democratic and our you know, mothers were Democratic. We never took time to read the issues. We just go in there and we pull the lever for D because that's what we're you know raised to do. And he was right. I never I just thought all black people are Democrats. And so I never bothered to get involved in politics. So he was encouraging us at that time. And I'm telling my age, but this was during Bush Gore yeah. that um we needed to start paying attention and listening because if we were good Christians, we would be listening for the candidate to speak the language that, you know, we are familiar with in Christianity. And so I said, okay, I'm willing to do that. And so at that time it was George Bush, you know, W and Al Gore. And there was a debate and Al Gore had said, uh, they had asked them, who's your role model. And Al Gore, I think he said, you know, his, Role model was, you know, Margaret Thatcher or, or Ruth Bader, you know, something like that. And when they got to Bush, they asked Bush, who was his role model? He said, well, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. That's my role model. You know, so as a new Christian, you hear that and it's like, oh, well, that's who I'm supposed to be supporting because he said Jesus. You know, I mean, yeah. that, that, you don't understand what I'm saying. And so. Yeah. So as I started then going back and looking at things, the things that he was saying, George Bush was saying 
were similar to the things that were being preached in the pulpit. And so I switched my party. I said, oh, I guess I'm supposed to be a Republican. Who knew? Um, So I switched my party to to Republican and got put in touch with uh, George Voinovich, who was a moderate, the late George Voinovich. He was a had been the governor of Cleveland, Ohio, and he was currently a moderate senator um, on Capitol Hill. And I was put in touch with some folks who who knew he needed a a communications assistant in his office. And I went and worked for George Winovich for a couple of years on on Capitol Hill in his office. And he was a wonderful man. And he was, like I said, at that time when there was a such thing as moderate Republicans, you know, he was one who would, you know, work across the aisle with others. But but as I got deeper into the party and what they believed, it didn't it didn't set well. And my my own theology began to evolve. I left that church, church, went on a spiritual journey. Long story short, you know, once Obama hit the scene, I, I really um, began to question, well, what is it that I truly believe and where do I stand politically? Um, switched my party back to Democrat. Uh, went to went to seminary, felt called to do that. The chaplain of the Senate currently, Barry Black, is one of my spiritual mentors. He wrote my recommendation letter for me to attend Howard University Divinity School. I really appreciate him for that. And because um, he saw something in me, I would go to his Senate Bible studies. He said he saw something in me and he felt like God had a call on my life and that I needed to explore it. And so I always credit him for helping me to to um, take that first sort of step toward where I am now. So I am now um, ordained as a minister with the Metropolitan Community Church denomination. It's an international open and affirming denomination uh, that has been in existence since 1968. It was actually founded in San Francisco as a safe haven for the LGBTQIA community uh, Mm -hmm. when when the founder, Troy uh, Perry, came out to his Pentecostal parents and was excommunicated. So he started a church in his living room that is now, you know, is now an international denomination. And I am a part of that group. And I, I went there because they best fit where I am theologically. My training prior to becoming uh, ordained as a minister, though, was in chaplaincy. And I am a certified chaplain, a trauma chaplain. I worked at Georgetown University medical center and the university. And I also worked at Johns Hopkins hospital in Baltimore as a trauma chaplain in the emergency room. So I have a, a broad range of experience as far as ministry is concerned and coming into this role on the Andrew Yang campaign as sort of a spiritual uh, advisor, if you will, or director or conduit just flows along with the the trajectory that my life has taken on since giving it over to God so many years ago. And so I don't know where all it's going to lead at this particular moment, Sarah. I've never been one to try to outguess (laughs) and figure out what God was going to do. I've always just yielded my life and said, you know, here I am, Lord, send me. Well, it seems like you know, what an interesting path. And the fact that you spent two years on the Hill. I mean, do you think, you know, maybe so maybe 2020 is not his time. I don't want to go there. But I mean, do you think um, having a president like President Yang, I went for mm-hmm. a period, I was just like calling him President Yang because yeah. I was so sure it was going to happen. I would I was slip like, up and do that too. <laughs> president Yang, President Yang. Right. 
But do you think um, that he really could, um, he could parachute in there, maybe it's in four years from now or five years, but, and, and that he could, um, with the clarity of his vision and the backing of, you know, 120 million Americans, mm-hmm. could he, could he, you know, make his platform a reality, the freedom dividend? Absolutely. He's totally destined. Right. He's destined to be president, and 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 nobody will tell me anything different. And, you know, and destined to be president in a sense that he's destined to be that voice, that person to usher in the next phase of who we are supposed to be as a nation. So, whether that's, I believe, is going to be done through the presidency. That's the whole reason he ran for presidency because people would say, "Well, you know, why didn't you start out?" As mayor, why didn't you run for, why did you shoot for the stars, basically, you know, is, is what they were saying. Why did you shoot for the top spot, you know, rather than build your way up and earn your credibility? And when you are mission driven, you know, you don't tell a CEO of a vision, well, start out as an employee and then figure it out from there. No, when you have yeah. a vision, you understand that if if you want that vision implemented on a wide scale, it can only be done from the top down. It can't, you know... It can't be incrementally achieved per se. And so in that regard, I do believe that he is going to be placed in a position to bring this vision to pass. I believe it will be through the presidency. I'm just wondering what the presidency is ultimately going to look like once we get past this phase that we're in now. Because quite frankly, it's a little nerve wracking. Okay. Um, You know, I feel like our constitution and our norms and everything is being so twisted and distorted in this moment that I really don't know what it's going to look like beyond uh, beyond this particular race, you know, if Andrew doesn't get in. And I hate to say it that way, but but I also feel like if he doesn't, for whatever reason, get in and, and, and run for 2020 or continue running or, or find his way in for 2020, that that once however 2020 plays out 2024 will be wide open and if we were ripe for change now we are going to be clamoring begging and insisting for it by the time 2024 gets here so i still think there's a pathway for him to get there i think everything in this cycle has been so completely and incredibly unpredictable that i'm not I'm not saying nothing's not possible. <laughs> Anything could happen. Well, it, it's it's completely true. It's like there's, um, you know, the whole early, the, the first season of Packing for Crazy Town in 2017 was about magnetizing conversations around possibility in the clown car pileup <laughs> era of America. Right. And it's like, and I only had to do one season in 12 episodes because it's like, well, my thesis was pretty much proved. <laughs> but it's like, but I'm back because yep. um, I think that it's, you lit, you know, back in 2016, even people who were paid to know what was going to happen had yep. no idea. Yep. And so um, the fact that it is going to be a brokered convention and he, I hope, uh, so what do you think about the um, still voting Yang um, movement? I, I, I absolutely 100% support it because. Me too. I love it. (laughs) And don't you dare tell me that I'm wasting my, you don't get to tell me, listen, you don't get to tell me you know, or dictate to me what's important to me or what I stand for. Everybody who has said I'm still, I I put too much into Yang to 
all of a sudden then not not cast my vote for him. That's that's what we were, you know, striving for and working toward was to have the opportunity to vote for this man. So the fact that he has suspended his campaign was out of necessity, not because the mission itself has been given up on. And so we're still in support of the mission. And our vote is a show of that to let you all know that this mission is bigger than Yang. Hello. You understand what I'm saying? And so, yes, yes, we're going to let you know. You better recognize that we're still going to don't you ask me to vote for anybody else because I worked too hard and for too long to somehow (laughs) now decide I'm going to just check the box. That's not how this thing is going down. That's not how it works and move out of my way. And so. So, yeah, I'm all for it. Vote for him. They folks are still caucusing. They're still standing out. Some of that is is maybe part of the grieving process. You know, you just don't want to let go of something. But but at a very visceral level, these are people who have dedicated their time. Like we said, their talent, their treasure and 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 months of their lives right now. And, and to get to the end and not be able to at least have some even for some, it's some closure. Feeling yes. like, okay, everything that I did was, it's not whether or not the vote is going to count. It's whether or not I'm going to get the opportunity to cast it. To cast it. And my hope is that he's going to end up, you know, with some delegates. Yeah. And he may. Going into, yeah. Yeah. He may end up with some delegates and, and then, you know, we may have some conversations, but I don't, I don't believe in people suggesting somehow that folks are crazy or cult like or any of the other sort of negative things that I've seen people say because, you know, people are still, you know, willing to, that ought to show you the strength of this man and the connection that people had to him. So all these people who are trying to suggest that he was just a gimmick or a one time, you know, flash in the pan. No, he wasn't. And you know, the response that has happened as a result and after him suspending his campaign shows me that these folks knew we were real all along because every single one of them are courting us now. Uh, well, you know, yes. Yeah. Yes. Bef- and you know, yes, before and- the campaign, oh, they're all internet. They're all bots. They're all this. Now everybody and they mama is trying to start a Yang Gang base, something, something, something. Andrew, tell your people. Oh, wait a minute. I thought his people weren't real. I thought he didn't have people. Oh, now he got people. And you want him to tell his people to support your candidate. Nah, nah, we'll pass. Yeah. Yeah, I don't need some, like, uh, stern-faced Bernie bro talking ahead telling me that wasting my voice, like, give up your youthful, you know, your youthful passion. It's like, forget it. Listen. No. Uh, yeah, that, no thank if, you. All they need to do is look back to how they felt in 2016 when people were telling them, go vote. or And, and so many of them made the decision not to vote at all. You know, because of the way they felt Bernie was done. Nobody, you know, I mean, how did you feel when people were telling you that you were traitors to democracy and you were wasting your vote? No, you were voting based on your principle and people who vote on principle understand the stance that we're taking. It's not, and, and if you're, you know, voting, you know, I saw, you know, one lady was really going at us and saying, you know, you're just being selfish and pick another, pick another candidate and fight for them. Yeah, that's that's not how this works, honey. You know, her her premise was, you know, if we don't pick somebody, we're going to get Trump again. Well, that's not that's not motivation for you know what I'm saying. This is yeah, that's that's not enough. I you know, and she was she's a black woman, so she was saying that uh, 
you know, that you need to pick somebody else because, you know, Trump getting back in is going to, you know, hurt and harm people of color more than anyone else. And I get what she was saying. But again, just voting to keep Trump out is not going to be enough. That's not enough of a motivation. Now, yes, I'll support the general election nominee, you know, because, yes, I don't want Trump to get back in per se. But who I choose to vote for in the primary has nothing to do with that. And as far as I'm concerned with the other candidates and Andrew said the same thing, we can't just be I'm not Trump vote for me. You know, or Trump's racist or Trump, Trump, Trump. Like he always said, the more we talk about Trump, the less we're talking about ourselves, our ideas and what we want to bring and put forward. And he's winning. And that's the first rule of public speaking. You know, when you are, um, you know, speaking, don't speak about your competition. You know, if you're running, you know, the more you have your competitor's name in your mouth, the more free advertising you're giving them. <laughs> Right. And it's not it's it was no accident that Trump never ever used his opposable thumbs to say a one peep. Not about one thing. It. Now now we all know that's very fascinating, right? Yep. Yeah, because he knew if he got him on the stage it'd just be Zorro. Shoo, 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 there, would, all his clothes are on the ground. He would Trump. rip him to shreds. <laughs> I know. And he and wouldn't he, even know he was ripped. He would just know, without breaking a sweat, one hand right. behind the back. He might he might he might sip some tea while he's doing it and <laughs> and you know, Donald would be being just as bellicose and you know and, and he wouldn't even know what had hit him. That he wouldn't even be know that he would just was completely humiliated just now and he wouldn't know how to deal with it. And that's what some people wanted to see. And you know, I I don't know that that's not going to happen. I, I, I'm not giving up on 2020, not at all. Because if, Me like neither. I said, anything can happen at this point. Once once Iowa went down the way it did, and now they're yeah. even talking about they're worried about how you Nevada's know, going to flow and stuff like yeah. that. Anything can happen, Sarah. So I'm, I'm open. The Yang Gang is ready. We're like, what? We're locked and loaded. We ain't going nowhere. <laughs> We're like, you know. You ask about how do we, you know, how do you think the gang gang is still, we're all hanging right here in the cut, just waiting for instructions. We're like, uh-huh. Okay, yeah, he's quiet for a couple days, but he'll be back, and we'll be right here, and we'll, we will be ready to go. All he has to do is say the word of whatever he's going to do, you know, whether it be the mayor thing or, uh, you know, some people want to do, you know, there's no dearth of ideas that people are, you know, presenting. Oh, he should do a podcast. Oh, he should do... Andrew is going to do what his spidey sense and his data-driven mind tells him to do next. And it's going to be very calculated, you know, and intentional, if you will. And again, if you trusted him up to this point, he has not given you any reason not to trust him even more so now that he's got additional information um, based on experience. Yes. Out of the blue comes Andrew Yang, um, and uh, it's it's given me a lot a lot of hope. I mean, reading his reading his book, it's kind of like eighty percent oh shit, and then you know, then ten percent angels singing. It's kind of like okay, all right, all right, all right. This guy, 
this I'm you know I'm with this guy born in the seventies. He's just I yep. like you see him Aqu- Aquarius. Nobody ever talks about Aquarius. the fact that he's an Aquarian. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the age of Aquarius. Yes, <laughs> as the Aquarian child of two Aquarians, I I, I respect his Aquarianism. Um, yes, and um, Wendy, I I think that that when I put this together and put it out, I think people will be grateful because I think. Um, like you, what you see in him, it's, it's like beyond color. It's beyond mm-hmm. creed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I guess it, I love, you know, and, and so of course, since I Googled Andrew Yang every day, the, the past six months, <laughs> I saw, you know, I would see clips and like, there was that one clip, um, you just see little things. It would just be like little Scooby snacks, like him doing the Cupid shuffle. You're just like, oh, I want to, I want to, I want a president with the rhythm, please. Yep. You know, but I saw that little moment in the elevator with you guys. It just oh my gosh! So, but I mean, so is he? So it just seems like he's he is who he seems like he is. Is that yep. right? He is. What you see is what you get, and I love him. He's my friend, and I, I love him dearly. I respect him. You know for his vision, for his brilliance, for his intelligence, for his compassion, his heart for for humanity, the love he has for his wife and his sons. And I just, you know, he is the human being we all aspire to be. Um, yeah. He's not perfect, but none of us are. And he doesn't take himself too, you know, too seriously. Uh, he is, is very well adjusted and... I tell people I I will go to the mat for that man every single day of the week. Um, don't mess with me about my Andrew Yang. <laughs> just don't even do it. I ain't always wore a collar. You don't want to do it. So, um, you know, because I faced, like I said earlier, you know, some criticisms or some ridicule, if you will, for supporting his campaign and people not understanding why I supported his campaign and it wasn't for them to understand, so I had to remind them of that. But you asked me earlier, what what do I foresee as far as my role? Well, of course, once the campaign was suspended, my, my role, my official role ended. But like I told him and like I told you, I was willing to be a part and, and, and promote, as some people call it, the gospel of Yang, whether they paid me or not, because... This is a mission and this is a message that I believe in so strongly that I'm willing to speak on it as long as I'm given opportunities and and invited to do so. And that's what I posted the other day that, you know, we all are finding ways to continue to keep this vision moving forward. Some folks are I love the thousands of people, it seems like, that are considering running for office as yeah. a result of being involved with this campaign and, and taking on UBI, you know, so this, this campaign has already spawned like a thousand little Andrew Yangs that are running all over the country now, you know, that are doggone it. We're going to take the mantle. We're going to run with it, Andrew. We're not going to let this message die, you know, so that in and of itself is amazing. And so my thing was, however you feel like you need to still carry this message forward, you do it. And if that means still caucusing, if that means still voting Yang, if that means running for office, I don't care how you do it. I'm not here to tell you what you should do or how you should do any people are starting book clubs. All the creativity is still there. And I think it's magic. I think it speaks to the nature of this campaign that people still feel like they want 
to carry the message and to keep it alive. So I say go for it in whatever way you feel led to do it. As for me, I've been blessed to be given platforms um, to speak and to use my voice and to use my gifts. And that's that's what I'm offering back to keeping Andrew's voice alive and his policies alive. Anybody that wants to talk to me, you know, anybody that wants to interview me, um, any any chance I get to have conversations with them, I still wear my paraphernalia. I still have pamphlets in my car. I still, you know, I still yeah. post, as you see, on Twitter. I post on Facebook. You know, I talk to people still about Yang. People are still Yang curious. And so I will answer any questions that people have because I still believe in him. And yes, you know, I am I'm going to be doing some things in the future that I hope will also provide me some additional platforms. I've got some things in the work right now that, you know, I hope will provide me even broader uh, opportunities to reach more people and talk to them about UBI, about universal basic income, about the policies, because those policies, as I said, they're bigger than Andrew, and I'll certainly always give him the credit for being the one to bring them to the table and bring them to the forefront. But for me, this is a part of my mission. This is part of what God has called me to do. Until God gives me other directions, this is where I'm at. Well, I mean, you're an incredibly powerful uh, and engaging and authentic voice for him. No, no different from, you know, the people I've run into who support him. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think, last question, so you're from Ohio. Do you think mm-hmm. if it takes four years, do you think that his message given a four-year runtime could reach enough people to say flip Ohio? I do, but I think it's only going to be done. This is just me quite honestly. I think honestly for some people they're actually going to have to see his policies in action in order yeah. to believe them. Mm-hmm. I think for some they're just it's too fantastic, it's too out of the rank. That's what, you know, people already distrust politicians. Even though yeah. Andrew's not a politician, people already distrust, they have a fundamental distrust of the system of politicians, of people making promises and never following through on them. So yeah. they we had to overcome that just in general. But then to try to lay on top of that, oh, yes, and we're going to give you $1,000 a month, free and clear, no strings attached, for, you know, for you. People are like, man, get out of here with that foolishness. <laughs> I, know. I know. You know, people was like, I'm not even trying to hear you. There's, there's got to be some string attached, you know, and that's just, that's the scarcity mentality versus the, you know, abundance mentality. And so we yeah. weren't just trying to change minds. We're trying to shift paradigms. We're yeah. actually trying to make, America think harder and that is not a a small task you know that's that that may take a couple of cycles for people to begin to imagine that they possibly could receive a thousand dollars from their country and not you know have to uh wonder if they were going to a string attach and, and come back and get it later on on the back end some way so I think that there will be a place for that now some people have mixed feelings around the the speculation of Andrew being mayor of New York City. Uh, listen, if that's where he feels like he needs to go next, the fine one I can get on the train every weekend and go to every borough. Whatever you want to do, brother, just tell me. But I I did start to let my mind imagine that a little bit. Like, what <laughs> yeah. would that be like? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, if he were the mayor of New York City. That would give him, you know, certainly some credibility. But could you imagine for a moment now, New York City is 8 million people deep. 
Okay, yeah. so yeah. you really have all walks of life, you know, in in New York City alone. Yeah. And could you imagine a regional version of UBI being run in New York City? If the and and and, and some of other you know some other of of Andrew's policies being implemented on a regional level in New York City, if the rest of the country started seeing, you know the economies in rural New York, you know, boroughs and things like that start to turn around. They started to see the benefits of UBI and see that it was actually universal and nobody was coming back to get it. They would be screaming for Andrew Yang in 2024. So I, 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 okay. Yes, yes. And, and then, but the, the producer in me, the project manager started to imagine the difficulty in the, like the boundary issues of something mm-hmm. like that, of like doing UBI, because then also where they, you know, are they going to do a localized VAT tax? How are they going to get it? You know, I started thinking, it's like, yes, uh, I go back right. to the original point, which is whatever, wherever he thinks he needs to go, that's where he needs to go. And I right. support him. Right, right, right. He, he's, he's, the, he's the dark unicorn. He's not right. just a dark horse. Right. He's like the one that literally <laughs> nobody could see coming. Right. They weren't looking for him. They didn't even know. To, and, and even when he showed up, they were trying to figure out what he was. Like, wait a minute. Is he is he a Trojan horse? Is he a unicorn? Is he a, is he a rhinoc? What is he? Is he black? Is he white? Is he a person of color? What is he? And that's that's why they didn't really cover him. They didn't know how to. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know what to make of him. But but yeah, so, you know, where I'm the visionary, like like you just described, I'm the visionary and I'm just seeing the, 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 the outer effects of, oh, UBI taking place and you're the more pragmatic, like, yeah, but how are they going to pay for it? You know, and, and, and are they going to do it? So I, I hear what you're saying, but I almost, I said all that to say that it's almost going to take something like that in my mind yeah. for folks to begin to to visualize it for themselves because I think folks some folks are just so far down that they don't know what it's like to envision up and you almost have to see it I don't know if you saw online where there was a big supporter of ours uh, who's a rapper in Harlem who just went around and started giving out thousand dollar freedom dividends to people on the street of course I saw that I did Did not know that rapper I didn't know Mm -hmm. but it's like yeah and of course how um the mainstream medium, I think they picked it up. How they were quick to, I think there was some skewing and dismissing of that. And, you know. I mean, there there was until Andrew suspended his campaign. And now it's like, no, we got to give that some more attention. No, that, that, he might be on to something now. So so my, my, my point is that was powerful in the fact that people were actually got a chance to see it in operation. And you cannot... You cannot dismiss someone's reaction to something. And so there was no way you could look at that and say, oh, those people are just faking it. I mean, the tears and the, the dreams and the hopes and all that that began to fill people's eyes. You can't suggest somehow that that wasn't real. So you have to contend with that and you have to ask yourself, hmm, if we did do a program like this, if it's bringing that much hope and that much possibility to some people, perhaps it is something that we could entertain. Perhaps this is something that we could consider. And you start letting people see that on a on a more national scale, they'll start to want the same thing for themselves because you'll have Yang saying, I want to do this. This is what I wanted to do for the entire country. Well, yeah, and just little, you get little points of data like on Christmas Day, 
Yang, you know, Andrew Yang was the most Googled and, you know, the Googled uh, search. And I just and I had always imagined it's like, wait for Yang, Yang Gang to go home for Thanksgiving, wait for them to go for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and you you can't not Yang. And and to the point where people (laughs) and that's when I realized, wow, um, politics is personal. You, you know, a Bernie person or an Elizabeth Thurston, they love they love their people Mm -hmm. the same as we love Andrew. And even though it's mystifying <laughs> it's like what it's like seriously um but you you have to respect that and then i just keep going back to those 90 million that 47 percent of people who didn't vote it's like how over the next period of time do you just like jostle them loose and wake them up and say this is possible you know well that's what's going to have to be done because that and that's the other thing i know we said it was the last question a while ago but yeah the other thing that motivated me about andrew's message uh was the fact that he was offering an incentive and i can't speak for other voters but i know for black folks (laughs) you got to give them an incentive to want to yeah. come out and vote, not just the simple promise and things like that. And I know that in order to get the Democratic nomination, you are going to have to have people of color support you. You know, black the black vote is very vital to anyone who was going to be the Democratic nominee. And Andrew was not one and is not one to play identity politics. And I respected that, you know, about him. Yeah. Um, but his universal you know, approach to, you know, the basic income, that's, that's a motivation that transcends all of those categories. You know what I'm saying? And I thought to myself, I would think so. If I'm looking at all of the other candidates, they're talking about the same old, I'm going to give you free college. I'm going to do your student loans. I'm going to do, you know, that's not enough to motivate people to get up and go vote because they know, you know, inherently that, and as divided as this Congress is right now, you're not going to get any support for that. You know, it sounds oh really good, God. but the reality is you're probably not going to get that passed. But I felt like the offer of, hey, I'm going to get you some money to help you pay your bills. Now, that's enough to get me to consider to get up and vote for you. You know what I'm saying? And well, so, that got Dave Chappelle, right. you know, out of Ohio and, and, and right. out in front of the cameras cause, and, and Donald Glover. I mean, right. well, yep. you're speaking the truth. And I... I'm I'm kind of glad I don't know what's going to happen in the middle of July, uh, July in Milwaukee, but yeah. I kind of really, really, I I want to believe what you're saying that the campaigns reached out and they know he's a vital part. Absolutely. Um, and so mm-hmm. I, I'm so grateful to talk to you, Reverend Wendy. I mean, I know people <laughs> probably like behind the tweets, behind the the inspiring, you know, <laughs> heartfelt prayers, and and you're so articulate, and I can't wait to. Um, just just stay tuned in with you and kind of follow follow where Andrew goes, follow where you goes and, and, and this movement you know, when my son came to me I said, Look, this is a teachable moment. What you found someone you believe in, something you believe in that's bigger than yourself, bigger than all of us. Now watch what the status quo is going to do to him. And I said that seven or eight months ago and look what happened. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a lesson and and it's uh-huh. and it and it got me it got me out from under the radar and how many people are kind of like me, you know, self-ascribed Yang train. I was going to mm-hmm. wait and then thousands. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a video producer. I was going to start making videos when, you know, and then it's like, okay, now I, 
I'm not doing that, but I'm I'm awake now. And yep. so many people who didn't come out and probably didn't donate. And I met so many people who said, I like him, but he can't win. Right. I'm like, oh, I hated right. that so much. It's like, Oh, that used to bother me. It was like, okay, I want everybody who's saying that I like him, but you know he's not going to win to go ahead and vote for him. I want to see something. You know oh, I saw saying? that. I remember that tweet. That, was, that killed me. I love that. Oh, I'm, like, well, I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying to, to see something. something. I just want to see something. <laughs> you do that, and I just want to see something. I just want to just check something out. Yeah, I just want to check something out. <laughs> I even have a video. I think it's from August. I'm in a car with my mother, my sister, my niece, and my son, and, I, and I'm like, I'm declaring on this day that Andrew Yang is 100% going to be the um you know the candidate and i went to my mom she goes not gonna happen you know Uh and 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 this is my son goes like jesus christ get the camera out of my face and i'm like this is you know so so i wanted to put a stake in the ground right and so um but okay so 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 yeah i i'm just (laughs) glad that you took time now the debate's probably going on but like that's fine who cares uh, yeah, because I, I don't even want to know. I, I'm I'm waiting for Andrew to do his post debate analysis. I know. I'm I'll let Andrew in. tell me what happened on the stage because I, I don't I can't watch that train wreck because I know it's already a mess. Because oh all, all all guns are are pointed toward Bloomberg. Everybody's mad and resentful that he's even on the stage at all. So. So, you know, he's going to be the topic of, you know, this is his first debate. And so it's all going to be geared toward him. And again, all that does is keep us off of the messages of hope and what we plan to do to move the country forward. Now it's yeah. all this political infighting. And that's why I say in some ways, I don't really mind that Andrew has been sort of removed from all of that. You yeah. know, let them, you know, he was trying to continue to take the high road and to stay out of it. But the way this this election is set up, you almost are going to just have to get in it whether you want to or not in order to survive it. And so because that's not who Andrew is, I want to, I'm glad he's out because I don't want him to feel like that he was going to have to be taken out of character, you know, in order to, to you know, become viable and to participate in this. So if it if it's going to become a slugfest, as some yeah. journalist said, a bloodbath or whatever to the end and all bets are off and, you know, and all caution is, go- is thrown to the wind, then I would rather Andrew be on the outside looking in so that when the dust settles and, and, and people are now longing for some healing and longing for a balm and a, and, a, and a uniting voice to come in to let people know that, you know, we're, we're wounded, but, you know, we're not, we're broken, but we're not wounded and we can rebuild. And then uh, Andrew can be there with a, a, with a higher profile now because uh, he's, you know, working with a national, you know, news organization and, and going to be doing some other things and, and people will be much more, amenable to hearing what he has to say well now i'm just really easily visualizing you just kind of walking the halls of the white house (laughs) and just delivering soothing little um little bits of advice here and there i just i yeah i kind of think i'll I'll see that in my lifetime i love my guys i love that team that you know that god pulled around you know we were a team you know that they they called them the merry misfits and things like that because from the beginning you know i love zachary groom i love my zach very protective of my zach you know the eric sanchez's and the hillary's and randy's and all all the all the gang yeah um and you know people criticized andrew from the beginning because when he first 
looked to run, he didn't come to Washington and ask around and say, you know, who's the most experienced political hand and all this, you know, to, to run my campaign and all that. He started this whole campaign from a non-traditional standpoint out of the box because that's who he is. And people claimed that because he did that, because he didn't go out and spend a bunch of money and hire all these fancy political consultants who worked on this campaign and that campaign and all of that, because he did not do that, he was just doomed to fail. Well, you you might call our, our team you know, the ragtag misfits or whatever the different things that people said to them, but we outlasted senators, governors, mayors, you know, sitting congresspersons and women. So, so what I will say is you, you call us names, you know, what is that first day ignore you? Then they laugh at you, you know, then you win or however, you yeah, know, they, yeah, yeah. yeah, because once he suspended his campaign, many of their phones were ringing too. like, excuse me, can you, um, hello, I need you to, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so don't, just because you don't understand something doesn't mean that uh, the purpose of it can't still be manifest. And they found that out. Everything Andrew did was outside of the box and it worked. Right. And uh, that was one of the questions, uh, even though obviously this wasn't yet the last question, but I mean, what I said, you know, I, I just even love the little glimpses you'd kind of get of sort of the core and watching how... Uh, Zach and Andrew communicated most yep. often you would see it it would be wordless but yep. like you know he'd put out his hand and there was the water bottle or Zach would yep. take the water bottle when he had to do this or yep. you know it was just this it's like a dance almost that, mm-hmm. that, that as a um, as a producer as um, you just appreciate um, flow it like mm-hmm. had a certain feng, uh, you know feng shui about yeah the um the movement like everyone was there was a, a vision and everyone was kind of there was a oneness that, yeah, that you didn't see in other we're, camps we're synced up we were yeah. we were in sync and 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 you know you when you were in the midst of that that's what you flowed with and and when you're syncing with someone it doesn't always look like it's uh orderly or organized but that's not how we're not rolling like that and so it was very much that kind of campaign Yes. And, and so, still is. <laughs> and still is. And so here we are, the debate's happening. And mm-hmm. um, so more to come. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get this ready and get it out before um, Nevada, just so everyone can remember what they're missing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> <And> well, <laughs> I just want to say thank you. I, I, I'm humbled, you know, that you even reached out to me, you know, to say that you felt like my voice was one that you wanted to 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 hear from. I, uh, in many ways, this experience for me is 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 surreal. Uh, you know, on the one hand, yes, I do believe it's what God has called me to do. It's what I've trained to do. You know, uh, been trained and prepared for. You know, for the better part of you know twenty years of my life. Yeah. But at the uh, at on the other side of that. I'm still in awe and I'm still blown away and I never want to get to a place in my life where I can't be wowed by God and I'm still being wowed. Even now I'm 51 years old. I'll be 52 this year in October and I am still like, oh my gosh, what is life? (laughs) 
Well, that's beautiful. That fits perfectly with, um, it's a perfect segue from season one, 800 so <laughs> days ago to season two. I am back because I could not do this. And so yeah. I'm grateful Thank to you. Yang Gang, pass this around to anyone who thinks Yang Gang is like a bunch of, you know, 24-year-old men is, you know, there's a lot of us that aren't that. <laughs> right, whom we know. love. We, we love, you know, we love the 24. They're, they're our children. We love yeah. them. <laughs> you know, my daughter's 27. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, it's it's a spectrum. When I went um, to a, a Yang meeting, um, when we, it was, it was beautiful. It was a room in Redmond, Washington, filled mm-hmm. to the brim. Every nationality every yep. age yeah you know every everybody yep. just all volunteers like yep. what can we do we didn't even get to talk about the 13 year olds who were doing text banking and and phone calls and and frustrated because they weren't old enough to vote but yet committed to helping because andrew had moved them and they can't wait to you know to have their opportunity and they would post on twitter hey i i called people for you today mr yang and you know, getting involved in the political problem. I'm only 13. I can't make much of a difference, but I'm trying. You know, come on now. That's come on now. Well, those Iowa senior, you know, those Iowa high schoolers are are going to be able to vote in 2024, no exactly. matter what. Exactly, and Hello. they remember. That's right. Oh, yeah. We won that poll. <laughs> so even if Iowa's Iowa gets to go 24th or something, <laughs> even if they're last. This is- <laughs> Oh, you guys blew it. <laughs> yeah, you jacked this one up real royally. I mean, people were already like, why does Iowa and New Hampshire have such outsized influence anyway? So you yeah. you, you were already under the, the microscope. And now, oh, you can forget it. You're on the back porch now. <laughs> well, I mean, I know that I'm going to be hearing your voices in other in other places. And, and mm-hmm. I was the one early on, you know, I tweeted at the hill i go when you go you had this bernie bro with a cowboy hat on three days in a row tossing him softballs can you please put on reverend wendy as a was that you that was Was me oh bless your heart i remember seeing that i'm like thank you whoever you are i'd be happy to do it i mean of course when i joined twitter i'm not going to put my real name on there i mean why would i but Uh although i did change it to my real name today just because i felt like well what you know i just had this completely made up thing and it's like well i'm you know I'm an inch towards the arena. It's like, I, okay. this is my real name. This is, um, but even I'm like, why? I, I loved finding the hill and I love mm-hmm. Cigar and Crystal. But then, you know, I loved the respect they gave Andrew Yang. Yes. Frankly, frankly, Tucker Carlson completely blew Rachel Maddow out of the water yeah, in terms of yeah. what the hell was that? Yes. Job? She's yeah. like, what is going on with her? But anyway, that mm-hmm. aside, you know, I think we all need to have these moments of kind of like flushing, um, like the the anger or the reaction, and just kind of like get to where you know the candidate is, just kind of mm-hmm. in in a position of eternal readiness. You know, yes, yes, and that's that's what he's modeling. That's what he's demonstrating, and he's giving us the opportunity to do the same. He's not saying we should. He's not, you know, asking that we would. Yeah. But but when people like this come into your space and come into your arena, it's for you to recognize the opportunity that they are, are giving you. Um, I'm going to go down to Home Depot and find a little stencil for and adjust the bumper sticker. Uh, well, maybe I'll wait. I'll wait. Uh, leave it Yang 2020 for now yeah. until we're 100% sure. 
that yeah. it's not going to be Yang 2020. Yeah, wait till the summertime. You know, I, I hold <laughs> okay. off because, like I said, anything, girl, anything can happen at this point. I mean, it's going to become much clearer after Super Tuesday who the nominees are going to be or, or yeah. you know, who's going to be down to competing for it. And that's that's just a couple of weeks away. So Yeah, um, I'll wait on that stencil. Yeah, <laughs> just wait, wait, yeah, and just just pay attention to 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 what Andrew is saying and how he's moving and decisions and the announcements that that he makes and and things like that because he's fairly transparent, you know, when it comes to what you know things he's considering and and you know what could potentially come next. And so we're, we're we take our cues from him and we're going to continue to do that. Fantastic, Reverend. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy Hamilton, uh, such a pleasure. Uh, Thank I, you. I know that um, that you're only a tweet away, and uh, yeah. <laughs> we, I can't wait to, to see what happens next. Packing for crazy town. Packing for crazy town. The only thing I worry about is that some total unknown that nobody ever heard of comes along. <laughs> 